You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the lore edition, a podcast devoted to story-driven games. Here's your host, Joe. everybody and welcome back to bow down to us the lore edition my name's joe and with me as usual is roger and vince boys how are you doing today i'm much happier now that i got second billing <laughs> i figured you would be i almost woohooed oh. i almost did but i'm too sick to woohoo all right well if uh i'd like to open today's show with a rant of my own um if hold you, on, if you want to hold hear- on hold on you can't rant yet i want to rant but you got to tell them about the Terra episode I, I I'm going to. It's his show. Right Let him rant. So you, but know. you can't okay, stand fine. it. You got to rant, I, right? I will. Okay, fine. I will. I will. If you guys haven't had a chance, <laughs> make make sure to download episode five of the Bow Down to Us Games Edition, where we were, where we were fortunate enough to have a wonderful interview with uh, David Noonan and his writing team, uh, with great information about Terra Online uh, quests, story, and the creation process of the game. So by all means, please. Go download it. It's free. What do you have to lose? Now, see, he, like he, open- he, he didn't even sound like he cared there. He's got so much angst in him from listening to me rant about witch hunt. I in have the to get this out of my chest. It's, it is it's driving me nuts. <laughs> it is. It is. It is absolutely consuming me. So I'm. I'm I have to launch into this. What one of the biggest topics like the, this past week was the release of the uh, Dragon Age Origins Witch Hunter DLC. I've had the unfortunate luck of playing through this four times now, not just twice, but four times. If you haven't heard the epic rant of Roger, by all means, please download the Bow Down to Us Games Edition show number six (laughs) and just listen to it. You will love every second of it. Now, here's my version of it. One of the biggest things we hailed, uh, the, one of the biggest things we, we, we talked about with Dragon Age Origins was the story and how epic it was, how much choice you had, how the game lets you create your own world as you went along, how each character, each playthrough was absolutely different. And the DLCs up to this point were doing very much the same thing, giving you options, giving you choices, giving you different character interactions. Well, along comes the Witch Hunter, Witch Hunter DLC. Continuing the story of one of the most important characters from the original game release, Morgan. Morgan is a character who everybody either loved or hated or loved to hate. There really wasn't a gray area. You could either have her as a romantic interest. You could have her as a a tense sort of alliance just to get your means, you know, everything done. She even goes as far as to save your life in the first game, you know. So it's a very important, very, very story pivotal character, right? Well, we expect that this DLC is going to start answering a lot of questions for us. This is the last DLC before we have to start waiting for Dragon Age 2. And the story in this game is piss fucking poor you start the game it's you and your goddamn dog going to Flemish hut there's nothing nothing ahead of this there's nothing that tells you why you decided to all of a sudden go after her it's just you're there and you sit there and you talk and you scritch your dog's head and you sit there and you go into the hut nothing else there is no lead up there is no 
anything to tell you why you're doing this. She just decided, oh, I've saved the world. I'm going to go see what the hell Morgan's up to. Let's go frolic through the goddamn swamps and let's start at Flemeth's Hut because that's a great place to start. Even though she hated Flemeth, it makes perfect sense that we'll go to Flemeth's Hut and see if she's there, right? Wrong. You walk into the hut and you get a fucking elf. And not just any elf, a whiny emo bowl cut bitch elf with hair that just it looks like fucking string spaghetti and a voice that really wants to like, you know, make you stab things. And not only that, but she has a fucking man's face. She's a man's face. Now, this is important because later you're going to meet a mage and the mage has a woman's face. A little gender swapping there. I can I completely understand equality of genders, but you look at them. One looks like a man. One looks like it takes a dick in the face. I'm sorry. So now you, you talk to her and there's really no choice. You can't say, I don't want you in my fucking party. You're off the handle elf. The elf is there looking for a lost book that Morgan magically frolicked into the the people of, you know, the, the Dalish people and stole their relic book. You know, so now she wants her book back. That's her entire motivation for going after Morgan, who the elves of Stead was a dangerous person. So they send one little tiny elf, one little tiny elf to go and take, take down this super awesome, powerful mage that was a pivotal part of taking down the archdemon with you. What the fuck sense does that make? There's no hunting party. There's no any. There's no conversation. It's just, yeah, I'm going after Morgan. Oh, I'm going after Morgan, too. Cool. I'm joining your party. Oh, OK. So then you go on and the first stop, the logical stop is to go to the Circle of Magi. Why are you going to go to the Circle of Magi? Because they have a library there and libraries are really epic. Now, Roger's already talked about the epicness of books. But you go to the library, you, you, you talk a little bit about with what's going on and you meet. After you're done reading all the books, you meet an elf or well, a human mage, whatever. He's a little bitch boy. You meet bitch boy and bitch boy is like, well, we can go talk to this magical statue in the basement. So what do you do? You're for you're supposed to go down to the basement and there's random custodians there that were never mentioned in the first game that just happen to be there that are guarding this magical vault that are fucking wimps that you walk in there and just wallop the shit out of and walk through to clear up all these these tears in the veil. And you start getting little tiny story hints. They talk about these these pieces of mirror and and things like that that link back to this ancient elven city that may or may not exist outside of time and space in the fade. Okay, I, I can kind of understand that the fade was one of those cool things in the first game that you know time flowed differently. You know, an eternity there would actually send you back in time in reality. Okay, so then the mage is like, well, I want to go find these things with you. And how we're going to have to find it? Well, we have a shard. We're going to have to go find the shard first. Then we're going to have to purify it. But how do we purify it? A magical item that never existed before this moment, that was never talked about in any of the dwarven lore, and talking to a person who went through every single fucking dwarven codex in the original game, every book, every nook and cranny of the Deep Roads have 100% completion on that fucking Deep Roads codexes. Nothing was ever mentioned of this. Let's just throw a story point in there. Let's magical lanterns that are hidden in this great tig, okay? The tig that you have already gone through with all the bridges and had the golems in it before, all of a sudden you have to go back there. So you go back there and you, you stand in these little wells of power and you follow these dancing magical balls to find where these things are. You find it, the mage casts a little bit of blood magic, which we can't talk about because it's all taboo. And you gather these up and spirits of ancient elven protectors come and, and try to, you know, fuck with you and you knock him out in probably about three hits okay so what the hell is the purpose of that these are great defenders by the way and you find them and you go and you, you then do a scrying ritual which is just literally a point that you go to you stand in the mage takes the mirror scries and shows that 
Well, we can go back to the Dragon Wastes now. The Dragon Wastes are where the next mirror is. Never mind that you've already been through the Dragon Wastes and you've already beaten the shit out of most of these doors and everything that you could possibly get to. But magically, there's someplace you never saw that scrying only got to. And then as you're getting there, there's this talk about this. You know, you get a couple cultists of the Dragon Cult. Fine. That That's that's a link to the first game. I get that. But you get this awesome beast, this stone monstrosity that's supposed to be the dragon of the game. And he summons little dragons to come fight you when it jumps up into the air. And, and it's just a pathetic fight. It's not scary at all. There's no doubt in my mind when I see this thing that I'm just going to hack it to pieces and just stand there and take the hits and just nothing bad will happen to me. So then I kill it, get the key from its corpse to go into the, the hole. Then you go into the hole and there's Morgan. And you think that at this point that the DLC would have looked at your previous interactions with Morgan. Well, guess what? It doesn't gives you nothing of if you were a romantic interest with her, if you were just friends with her, she hated her guts. There's nothing there. It is a completely clean slate. And you talk to her and you find out literally fucking nothing. It is a carrot on the fucking stick telling you you need to buy future games to find out what happened. She tells you that your kid's alive. He's doing well. He's an innocent. So he doesn't know that he's got the power of a god or a demon or whatever the hell in his soul and that he doesn't know what his future is going to hold. You know what I got out of it? They're doing nothing but setting this up to be a Berman and Braga version of Dragon Age Origins where Hawk is your son sent back in time during the events of the first world and that I can totally see something like that happening and it's going to do nothing but piss me off. And I've played through this a couple times, and no matter what choices you pick with Morgan, it's the same, same fucking outcome. Oh, Morgan, I love you. Let me come and help you. Okay, she just walks off into the portal. I hate you. I want to kill you. Oh, no confrontation. She just walks into the portal. Well, I'm always your friend. I will always be there to help you. Let me help you. Eh, nope, she just walks into the portal. There is literally no substance to this story. And one of the other fucking things that pisses me off is the entire story is on fucking rails, okay? There is no choices. You get a slight choice on where you want to go first. You can either go into the elven ruins or you can go to the tag first. But if you go to the tag first and then go to the ruins, you got to go back to the tag to do the scrying. It's bullshit. It is $7 worth of bullshit. It is something that is so absolutely fail that it is ridiculous. Congratulations on wasting an hour and a half of my time. Now, it didn't take me 45 minutes. It took me an hour and a half because partway through this thing, I fucking had to pick my jaw off the ground of how shitty it was. Congratulations, Bioware, on releasing both your most hilariously fail and most ridiculously awesome DLCs in the same week. But it's very obvious that you don't care about this game anymore. You're looking forward to your future endeavors with this franchise into making it essentially shepherd in time. So congratulations. You've done nothing but piss me off. So people, if you're reading this and you're looking for an epic story with a continuation of Morgan, don't. Don't fucking bother. You, you already paid your $7 for it. I am very truly sorry because I wish I can get my money back and the hour and a half that I wasted on this piece of shit. Bioware, you have disappointed me and wounded me sorely. I had nothing but faith in you and I was super excited. You know, the Golems DLC wasn't that great, but it was still okay and playable. Still had some cool stuff in it. Still had a little story content, had a little interesting arc. And then you release this total piece of drack. What the hell were you thinking? Really? Really? I expect so much better from you boys. <laughs> I expect a written apology or something. <laughs> Seriously. I shouldn't have to be this upset of a fucking game. I'm All right. You're done? Wow. Vin I'm done. Vince, you actually have anything to say? You haven't played it yet, though. No, I, I have. 
I, I have some small additions and I'm going to avoid the entire story aspect of it. <laughs> story. I made it funny. <laughs> but the, the, the thing that that really bothers me about Witch Hunt is and, and honestly, it's kind of Dragon Age as a whole is that the DLC isn't very well integrated into the actual game. We saw the first three, Stone Prisoner, Warden's Keep, and Return to Ostagar, were integrated into the actual game. Obviously, that wouldn't work with Darkspawn Chronicles and Liliana's song. Fine with that. I would have liked to have seen Awakening actually integrated into the game instead of just being a separate standalone game. I can deal with that, though. But there's no reason why Witch Hunt and Golems of Emgaric, which I also played this weekend, and I actually really liked that one. It didn't have any real lore to it, but from a gameplay standpoint, I loved it. It was really cool. But there's no reason why those two DLCs couldn't have been integrated into the game. I shouldn't have to import my character into a freaking DLC side story. It should already be in the game. And Witch Hunt added absolutely nothing to the game world every other dlc at least you at least got your money's worth out of the code involved <laughs> it added something it it witch hunt just recycles like joe was saying places we've already been flemeth's hut circle tower okay i can deal with that because you know they're major aspects of the game world the the the, the place downstairs that was recycled out of the mage origin story. The Kadash Taig was recycled out of Shale's uh, personal mission. The Elven ruins were recycled out of the Dalish elf origin. The Dragonbone Wastes were recycled out of Awakenings. It, it physically even, in, in addition to the lore, it physically added nothing to the game world and that just bothered the hell out of me i was like so basically they just took whatever code they had lying around slapped some lines of dialogue in it and shipped it out for seven bucks it's, it's freaking ridiculous and and just by virtue of the fact with the with the importing and what have you instead of being fully integrated into the world again like joe said it was a blank slate with care with kerrigan i calling everybody kerrigan hey with Morrigan is it left the entire backstory between the two characters up to the player said, Oh, we can't bother with actually paying attention to what you did before. Just tell us what happened and we'll roll with it. It, it was just so stupid and out of place. It, well, as I've made abundantly clear just a few minutes ago, I have no use for it. I have no use for it. I was completely and utterly disgusted with it. Um, it, and, and, uh, I could tell right from the beginning. I mean, again, when you're at Plymouth's Hut and you have to name your dog, that that was the first little single for me that said, oh, because it's not imported in. So, but they made it so that the dog is always, you know, the dog's happy to see everybody and, and like Morgan and whatnot and things like that. So it's, you know, it's supposed to be your mutt, but it's not. And that was like the first like, okay, this is not going to be good. And from that point on, there's, I mean, they try to toss you the little cookies with the enlightenment or enchantment, dude, which was like, oh, dear God, really, I've seen enough of this guy. I, I don't want to buy the T-shirt. I don't want to, no, no. Just, it, it was it was not well done in terms of, like you were saying, integrated integrating your story in, which is what the entire IP is supposed to be about. Like, this is supposed to be like Mass Effect, we're in integrate uh, importing in your previous game is like everything you did 
those those choices had an impact not just on that story but are supposed to carry forward well it's almost as if they're doing it for mass effect we're seeing it being done for mass effect but for dragon age it's not working it's not there and it really like let alone the disappointment in terms of gameplay which as i made clear was a complete and utter farce there's no actual there's nothing other than the zones which tie your character back to that place in that story you don't really interact with anybody that means anything your party is an absolute joke an annoying freaking joke and then the the bits with morrigan are just that they're bits and nothing gets answered and it is a lead up to two entirely lead up to two to try to keep everybody on a hook for two so that you'll buy it and i think that they're trying even harder because of the all of the outcry for the changes in terms of the pc gameplay that we're going to see with with uh with two and i think they really want to make sure to try to hook people as much as they can but you know what it just pisses people off when you do that there has to be some resolution yeah sure leave some stuff open so that you can have your little cookies for two but answer some things and give us a dlc that's worthy of closing down such a phenomenal first game see one thing that i i've noticed even prior to this but this just cemented it for me is what we saw with dragon age origins was we saw some pretty good quality in the first several DLCs and then a drop off. Uh, Awakening was pretty cool, but, you know, they put a lot of money into that one. And, you know, Dragon Age 2 is just it, it just doesn't seem to mesh with the first. I am fairly certain they did not expect Dragon Age Origins to be as popular as it was. They figured, OK, we're going to put out this cool little game we want to do. And OK, that's it. Let's go work on Mass Effect. And they go, oh, wait, that game sold a few million copies. We should probably do something else with it. And everything I'm going to even say everything since the Warden's Keep, because even Return to Ostagar felt a little tacked on to me. Everything since the time the game shipped has just felt tacked on to the game. And see, I think that's because they saw how good the game was doing and immediately started working on two so that they could keep riding that rail. And that's why they essentially gave up on the first one and are progressing on the second one that's why i think that's that it's been that way well i think we've had enough hate on the game that uh, has definitely disappointed us at the end here uh, but let's move on to a game that really didn't disappoint in any regards as far as the story goes we're gonna talk a little bit more about spider-man shattered dimensions um, now i've had the, the wonderful fortune of actually playing this game quite a bit through not completed yet because there's a lot to do in it but the story of the game is is very comic bookish and it's presented in such a way that is refreshing so to speak um your story is your start the game you are neil patrick harris version of the amazing spider-man trying to stop mysterio from stealing uh the uh, it's the tablets of origin the tablets of of power essentially and it's a relic in the museum that nobody really knows how powerful it is but it actually is a severely epically powerful item during the, the, the combat, during the, the entire thing, Mysterio goes on this huge rant. And while he's going on this huge rant um, and throwing like illusionary snakes at you, you're busy weaving a web to slingshot yourself at Mysterio, which is awesome. 
It's a classic Spider-Man move. As Spider-Man slingshots himself towards Mysterio, Mysterio holds the tablet out in front of him, and all the extra momentum from Spider-Man's punch goes and shatters the tablet. As the tablet shatters, it now affects the multiverse. Not just one universe, but all of the Spider-Man universes. Madam Web contacts you, says that, well, the balance has been tapped, and uh, it is up to you and other versions of you uh, in order to save uh, the universe from all this imbalance. So it's you as the amazing Spider-Man, the ultimate universe Spider-Man, with while he's still molded to the symbiote suit, uh, your Spider-Man 2099 and your Spider-Man noir and the different stories that they go through. It's very comic bookish. It's very classic st style story. And everything is broken down into little tiny tidbits of uh, episodic content like each each section is its own individual capsulized thing. And the story that's presented is essentially your greatest villains have gotten hold of these fragments and it's starting to give them power to, to kind of do what they want to do most, which is to defeat Spider-Man and rule the world or get super wealthy. And it's your job in all the different universes to grab the pieces, give them back to Madam Web uh, and reattach the entire tablet. It is awesome. And the way that the story is presented fits very well with a very comic bookish feel. And every bit about it screams Spider-Man. The voice acting, the writing, and every little aspect of the story, whether it's swinging through a forest fighting Craven, whether it's hunting Hammerhead in the slums in, in the, uh, the, yard, the train yards uh, of Manhattan, it's, it's awesome and it is really enthralling and it is very encasing and it's very much it draws you right into the story and it makes you feel like you are participating directly into a classic spider-man story and this is something that you could have easily seen in a comic book this is something you could have easily seen in a cartoon show an episode everything it is randomly awesome and I think it's worthwhile to play through. I think everybody, if you have a chance, it's worth the pickup. I give it a higher, highest recommendation. And story-wise, it is as in-depth, absolutely as in-depth, as Batman Arkham Asylum was. I haven't played it yet myself, though I'm really trying to make the time. And it's nice to see that not only were the four Spider-Men fully realized, but their villains were as well. I've said many times a hero is defined by his villains. And I love what I've from what I've seen, the characterization of the villains themselves. And I, I cannot thank Shattered Dimensions enough for redeeming Ultimate Deadpool because Ultimate Deadpool was one of the worst travesties since movie <laughs> Deadpool. So I ultimate Deadpool. I saw, I saw some cool little cutscenes of him. He seems really cool, but I, I, I would really, really love to get my hands on this game. And I still want my spider girl DLC. And moving along on the same lines of superheroes, we got some more information about DC universe online. Uh, Vince, I'm going to let you take this one away. All right. This is really cool. The more I hear about this game, the more interested I am. If you go back episodes upon episodes, I, I, I was a little harsh on the game at first and I've started a to little slowly. Yes. A little <laughs> Okay. I started to slowly get more and more on board with it, and now we get some really cool details added to this. We've seen uh, about your character and the progression of your character throughout the game. When you create your character, whatever they may be, you actually get to choose a mentor. And it's a mentor that theoretically should tie in with your power sets. You know, if it's super strength and you can fly, eh, you pick Superman. You know, if, if you're more technical and not much superpowers, you pick Batman and stuff like that. If, if you wear a swimsuit, you pick Wonder Woman. And they, the mentor you choose is actually going to 
define a lot of the mission structure, at least early on for your character. You're going to be fighting alongside your mentor against that mentor's iconic villains. You're going to be fighting alongside Batman going after Joker, etc. And then they said that you're going to get into the point where you become equal with your mentor. And maybe you even have to rescue your mentor, do something your mentor couldn't do. So it shows some really nice growth from a character perspective. And then they also talked about the actual physical growth of your character, where at every even level, you're going to choose an upgrade to your powers. Whereas at every odd level, you're going to choose an upgrade to your skills, be it your weapon, your fighting style, your your flight or super speed or what have you. And I think it's a really cool way to advance your character, how you can keep focused on the different aspects at the same time without feeling like you're losing anything. Uh, that That's something that in the other superhero games I've played, I, I've personally felt that you kind of needed to focus on one path or you were going to screw yourself over somewhere else or going, oh, I, I cannot upgrade my my superpower at this point because I, I need to spend more time on my flight so forcing the character or forcing the player to go down a specific path at specific levels i feel is going to lead to a much nicer balanced character overall because as we've seen previously they've talked about how your powers and your fighting styles are going to mesh together so obviously you don't want to advance your powers too far without also advancing your weapon abilities I also liked when they were talking about the um, the armor sets as well and how that's going to be progressing as you skill up as well too so that you're earning parts and whatnot so that once you reach your maximum level, you've got, if you want, um, a, an epic costume as well. And it's, it's nice to know that I'm not going to have to spend 45 minutes staring at the character creation screen. They said that the, the options at the beginning are going to be more simplified as if you were a young up and coming superhero. You're not going to have this epically awesome costume on your first day of the job. I think one of the big selling points of this game really is the growth, uh, if nothing else. Uh, and the fact that they're putting so much depth into the character growth of a superhero game speaks volumes for the type of care they're going into. And you said it absolutely right. The the games that are out there right now uh, for the superhero games, if you don't focus on one path, you're seriously going to gimp yourself. And if you try to get everything and have an all-encompassing experience, you just seriously, seriously let yourself... Uh, basically fall behind on the power curve. And the story in these really aren't that awesome. It's in the previous ones, the previous games, it's kind of threadbare. Whereas this one, you're interacting in such a way with iconic characters of a universe that's been well-established over a very long time that it's just completely epic. Like one of the biggest things that I was looking forward to is if you choose Batman as your uh, mentor, there is a sequence where there is a raid uh, from Joker on the Batcave. Okay. That's just completely epic. Fighting alongside your mentor, trying to fend off the minions of the Joker essentially and any evil PCs that have decided to side with him as their, as their mentor. Um, it's just an extra flavor to the game because that story, that is rich. That is a comic book moment. That is a superhero moment. I can't wait. And every little bit they give us, every little, every little thing they tell us about how this story is going to develop, how everything is going to kind of roll into this universe and how you get to carve your own path in this universe is just ridiculously epic. And it does nothing but make me want to play this game. I am salivating. I want to sink my teeth into this hardcore. And I know... 
that Vince, you being convinced like that is a great, great thing for the game because you were you were ridiculously hard on this game. You were all about hating it. Let's be honest. You were you were all over that. You wanted to destroy it, I think. But now you get to this point and the more news they're giving us, it's it's awesome. You can't help but really, really like it. And I think that's really the strong selling point of the game is that it's going to have an immersive character story and a defined structure that you pick that your interaction helps define what you do in this game. I'm really looking forward to seeing um, more information in terms of the interaction, the, not the interaction, but the gameplay with PS3 and PC as well. That's something that's I still feel is fairly important. And I may very well have missed a lot of the news. I don't know, but I haven't, I still haven't heard enough about that yet to, to feel that it's to, to be, convinced that it's going to be seamless i really want to believe that it will um but it's going to be interesting to see whether just how good the two work together i I think uh technically as far as the different systems interacting with each other on the same servers there shouldn't be any issues with that it's worked in previous games it's all going to come down to whether or not the control scheme transfers over from it maybe it'll function better on ps3 maybe it'll function better on pc hopefully it functions great on both Okay, so moving right along from our wonderful story of superheroes, we're going to talk a little bit about Guitar Hero. Uh, Surprisingly enough, hold on. Now, you may think, what the hell are they doing talking about Guitar Hero in a lore podcast? Well, this is really kind of weird. Guitar Hero, the newest one, Warriors of Rock, is adding a story element, an RPG element with action adventure sequences to the game. You are literally going to take on the aspect of a warrior who rocks and get to choose different things as you go through the game. And I think that's kind of awesome. It's it's an interesting twist on the franchise. And it seems very much like something that, you know, we kind of almost got with Brutal Legend, but didn't really get. And so we're going to have a chance to create a character and go through a story and have boss battles and have epic you know quests to kind of save rock and roll and not only is it just this awesome story that's going to be thrown on top of it and yes it is a it it is a guitar hero game they have an awesome set list behind it too and i don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to see the set list or not yet but we're talking about i know vince has been pretty excited about this but we have stuff from Everything from Neil Young and Leonard Skinner through Blue Oyster called Perfect Circle, uh, Arch Enemy, Atreyu, Avenge Sevenfold, Black Sabbath, Blind Melon. I mean, it's got a pretty damn awesome, awesome thing. So, yeah, I really, really like it. I think that's awesome. I, come on. It has freaking Deep Purple and Rush. It, it has to be epic. It has the entire Rush 2112 anthology. Blows my mind when I saw that. But to to get back into the the lore side of it, I find it absolutely hilarious because this is an Activision published game, and Activision completely kicked Brutal Legend to the curb. And it, I don't want to get into that because that's that'll that'll be anger. And and basically, Warriors of Rock is completely biting off exactly what Brutal Legend did. So it, it just I, I find it funny. Uh, a lot of people have kind of kind of harshed on it, like oh story in a guitar hero game just it needs better music no, no it doesn't it just needs to be fun i we if if i want good music if i want more realistic gameplay i'll go play rock band but i don't give a crap about plastic drums or pl- 
plastic keyboard or I sure as hell can't sing. I just want to sit on my couch with my stupid little plastic guitar and have fun. And you know what? If you're going to put a story into a Guitar Hero game, it had better be as ridiculous as possible. If I actually have to believe the story I'm playing in Guitar Hero, I'm going to laugh at my television. I want it to be completely over the top, completely ridiculous. And yes, completely stupid because it's a music game. I'm sitting here with a plastic guitar. It better not be that freaking, you know, serious. See, I typically, I don't play Guitar Hero. We play Rock Band here. And because Rock Band for us is a family thing, like we all, we get together, with the exception of one of the girls, like we we get together as a family and play. Nobody plays solo. And so something like this for me is not going to do as, as much. I'm not going to sit down and play this Again, because we play rock band, and I much prefer rock band. We absolutely love rock band. I can see the appeal of this for, again, like what you're saying. You just go in and have some fun solo and things like that. But because part of the game is going to be the playing, the, the music, I, I much prefer that. I don't, I don't enjoy, and I've tried, I don't enjoy doing the music by myself. I mean, I play guitar. If I really want to play music, I'll play real music. To me, that part of the game is always so much more fun with a whole bunch of people. I, I'm not going to argue that. I'm oh, sorry, Joe, just, but uh, I don't have friends. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the friends I do have sure as hell don't want to play rock band. I, I firmly agree. Musically, rock band is a much better game. Interactively, it's a much better game. And it's really hurt the Guitar Hero franchise for the last couple of years when they've been trying to compete with Rock Band. They they cannot equal them on a quality level. So I think it's great that with Warriors of Rock, they're taking it back to its roots of, OK, you know, that's great. You know, I played a lot of songs in World Tour that I'm sitting here playing it on the guitar, summing, strumming the same three notes over and over again and going, wow, I'm sure the song would be cool to play on drums. But I don't care about playing it on drums, so I'm just going to sit here and play these three notes over and over again on my guitar to get to the next song. But I, I definitely see where you're coming from, Roger. But see this from my point of view, someone who has no musical background. I, I can't play guitar no matter, you know, I've told myself many times over the years that, oh, this year I'm going to learn how to play guitar. It, it's never going to happen. I'm never going to dedicate the time to it. So for someone with no musical background, just to be able to have fun with the music, because I love music. I just can't play it. And and for me, Guitar Hero is a much better fit. See, and I'm going to attack that from a, a kind of a, the other side of the coin. I am a musician. I've been playing guitar for 22 years now. Um, and just every, every now and then turning off that seriousness, not having to worry about scales and musical theory, and just going in and being absolutely ridiculous over the top and having fun with a game like this is nice sometimes and it's it, it is about the music and the gameplay but adding these little ridiculous cookies to it like you know now i'm a viking warrior with an axe that i'm going to do battle with the gods you know to save rock and roll that's what guitar hero is all about it's that ridiculous over the top thing that's just fun and it's been a long time since something has just been fun and i think that's really where this is going to start coming in because rock band rock band is serious business you have people that that take that way too damn seriously you have people that sit there and, and will worry about their high scores and produce videos on how to beat this song on expert difficulty with full five gold stars and with guitar hero they tried to be like that 
but it didn't really work out so well. So just having something so ridiculous over the top, and let's be honest, that's what rock and roll is. That's what metal is. It's just completely over the top. It's this fantastical world of win, and to have that sort of epic story elements to it with you battling executioners and mechs and demons and, and doing it Jack Black style in your living room, that's just a ton of fun to me. And yes, this game can be played with multiple people, but you can play it solo and still have a blast. The only other thing that I'd be concerned about would be the um, the controls. When you're playing the RPG elements, are you still using your guitar for the controls? Because those controls suck ass. I think it's my. I think it is, but we haven't really seen too much of it yet. So it's probably just you know glorified quick time events or something. Probably. But one last aspect of the the, the story side of the game that I completely forgot of until I'm watching this video that Roger's playing in the stream. The game is narrated by Gene Simmons. Yep. So more cool. The the doctor, the doctor uh, feel good himself. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up for this evening with the lore edition. Um, I'm just going to end tonight by reminding everybody that we do have two shops up now for the bow down to us. Uh, Cafepress.com slash bow down to us and bow down to us that spreadshirt.com. Please feel free to stop by. There's great messenger bags, coffee mugs, cups, T-shirts, panties, panties, the whole nine. (laughs) You can get anything. You can get just about anything you possibly want with our logo on it. And every little bit you guys spend helps us out. The site does cost money. And, well, we like to recoup some of that, make sure that we don't, you know, starve. We also like to point out uh, once again that make sure to download uh, the Bow Down to Us Games show number five with a wonderful interview with the folks from Terra. Uh, David Noonan was wonderful to talk to as well as his writing team and graced us with yet another long and very informative interview. With all that, uh, I want to thank you all for joining us and we'll see you next week. Vince, you ready? Hold on, let me strap in. All right, good to go. Bring it. Strap in. Christ, you should have done that for the freaking (laughs) drunk tank episode where you were falling out of your chair. Dr. Feelgood is Guns N' Roses. Come on, youngin. (laughs) Were you even born when Dr. Feelgood was out? I I can't even play it when my girlfriend's in the house. She she just walks by, laughs at me, and leaves. Because I'm sitting there (laughs) next to it with a plastic guitar. You know what? That rant freaking tired me out, dude. dude you I was—you were about to pass out. I—I'm serious. <laughs> I was freaking lightheaded. I'm like, and <laughs> and I once I muted myself, I was hacking up a storm, and I was lightheaded. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Even if I die, I will die as a martyr for this cause. <laughs> People need to know the truth must be told. Got to buy all those stupid. Bioware points bullshit stupidity which I hate it's like freaking Microsoft except worse and then so you're like doing the math okay well I'm gonna need this many points for this this many points for this you can't just add shit to a shopping cart either and then check out later and buy as many points as you need no no and you can only buy like up to a certain amount of points as well and then you gotta buy a smaller package of points and then you gotta buy each individual DLC by itself and it was like oh my god and then on top of that it freaking sucked I will say Witch Hunt did have one redeeming factor and that's the dog peed on everything 
it got me over 1500 gamer score for Dragon Age. <laughs> I'm at like 1505. Man, 